Ladies, did you know that June is home safety month? And you're probably going, oh my goodness, well, what do I do? Well, guess what? We have a guest coming on today that is going to teach you some amazing things that you can do with your kids to help prepare for home safety month. And they will love the field trip idea. Stay tuned. Welcome to the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast, a show that lifts, encourages, supports, and educates mothers to do their best in their awesome responsibility to raise, teach, and champion the rising generation. Join us as we talk to and answer questions from mothers nationwide about the challenges, heartbreaks, joys, and lessons learned from one mother to another. We are so pleased to introduce Jake Larson, who's been with the Pleasant Grove Fire Department since 2006. He has accomplished many things throughout his career. He became a nationally certified paramedic and earned his Bachelor of Science degree in Emergency Service Administration. He has worked his way through the ranks of Lieutenant and Captain is now Battalion Chief and fire marshal for the Pleasant Grove City in Utah. He enjoys camping, hunting, and anything that has to do with the outdoors. He has a beautiful wife and a four-year-old little girl, and I'm sure you'd like to brag on her, Jake. Thanks for being with us today. You bet. You want to tell us a little bit about her? Yeah. We love hearing stories from dads. So, I've got a funny story, and I actually had to talk to my wife a little bit about it. There's so many stories with the age group she's in right now. She's super talkative and she's got quite the personality. So I'm like, what can I tell them? And she brought up one of the instances we had with her. She had actually talked about her boyfriend and she started talking about a guy named T. So my wife proceeded to ask her, who's T? Because we don't know anybody by the name of T. So she starts to explain that this T individual goes on fire calls. And he goes on medical calls. And when he goes on the fires, he puts them out. So she started to describe this T and she thought it was kind of funny because she's described her dad to a T and no pun intended, but she described her dad to me and she was super excited to tell mom about T and who he was and what he did and all that fun stuff. So she described my job exactly how she sees it which is kind of funny she sees dad going to fire calls and I come home and talk to her about it it's funny the the little things that they grab out of the job and and how they understand what I do so I hit her up last night and I said hey do you still have a boyfriend she says yeah and I said who is it and she says t and I said who is t and she's like you dad <laughs> So <laughs> I, I became her boyfriend, I guess. So, that's kind of fun. That's, that's great. Well, dads are, for a few years. dads are the heroes. <laughs> yeah. So she's fun. She's enjoyable to be around. I love that you go and talk to her about it. Yeah. So she's aware of what you do. Well, with, with the fire service, we're gone a lot, especially when I was a captain. I worked at 4896. So I worked two days on and four days off. And Oftentimes on those four days, I'm actually getting called back to do other things. I was gone a lot. And so I helped her understand why. So that we're there to help people. And sometimes we have to cover shifts when they aren't covered by other individuals or they're sick or whatever it might be. So 
it helped with that to help her understand why I was gone. In an office, you can usually get along without a member of the team. But yeah, in your exactly. circumstance, if you're without all your team members, you are lacking. Yeah, yeah we, we have a hard time responding to calls when we lose a couple of them. So we have people come in on overtime and stuff like that. We certainly appreciate your service well, and all you. those throughout the country. We really do. We'd be in a sad place without your service. Yeah. The role of a fire marshal is a lot to do with public information. Is that right? Correct, yeah. As well as enforcing the safety regulations. Yep, a lot of that and education to the public as well on fire stuff and how we can prepare and be better at preventing fires. So all mothers and families want to keep their families safe. Can you oh, tell us and explain what are some of the common safety issues in a home that we should be aware of? A lot of the issues that we see when we go out, a lot of the medical calls we get called to, probably the number one thing is falls. So that I think is the top whether it be they just fall and they need help up, that's what we get called to the most. A lot of that has to do with housekeeping, things like that, whether your home's got railing, whether the carpet's in good working order, because a lot of times you'll get carpet that binds up and then people trip over it. That's the stuff we're seeing. So keeping your housekeeping up, I know it's hard with kids and stuff like that, but you get toys and things on the stairs, people hit those. And then next thing you know, you're at the bottom calling us for help. You find a lot of the elderly when they're getting into the tub and things like that, they slip and fall. And then we end up having to help them. A lot of that can be prevented just by putting in handrails and things like that in the shower if they need be. So there's a few things that uh, cause us to be called, but I would say falls is the number one. For sure. A lot of homes are now using occasional rugs or, or throw rugs. Yeah. So is that any and also if they have yeah. some I mean, non they're not, stuff? Yep. And they'll get bunched up. And next thing you know, you're tripping over them. So that's something that you want to be aware of. If you've got somebody that has a hard time moving or something like that, maybe get rid of those rugs at that point. And then when they're able to move again, because you'll have people that go through surgeries and things like that. And they're not able to walk perfectly. If you have a rug or something that's in the way, maybe that's something that, that gets taken away until they're healed and back to normal. Obviously, there's other things that, that come and go, um, but falls is probably the number one right now. You get into fires, you get into carbon monoxide, that kind of stuff. I know we've been on a couple calls where people are doing construction inside their home whether they're finishing their basement or whatever and they're running power saws that's something that people don't pay attention to as well as they're just down there running a saw not realizing that they're filling their home full of co we've been on a call recently where that happened and so it's just things that people don't necessarily pay attention to they're used to running the power saw but outside right so they get inside and not realize it and fill the home full of co and then you've got people getting sick or you can die from that really fast. My husband still takes his saws outside yeah. or he has the windows open. So there's some good cross ventilation there. Correct. Would that yeah. be helpful if they would at least do that? Yep. And that's the biggest thing. As long as the contractor or whoever's doing it, if you take those steps to make sure it's ventilated, more than likely you're going to be fine. I don't know if you want me to go through a couple more. Um, yes. Other yeah. things. So we have some um, time, don't we? <laughs> choking is a big one. We get called on choking quite a bit. It's kind of across the board with age. We've gotten people middle-aged that, that call us for choking. 
to the young ones, to the elderly. Most of the time, people are able to dislodge it by the time we get there. Going through training, getting with your local fire department and going in just asking them, you can go in and talk to them about the Heimlich maneuver or whatever it might be to get yourself up to where if it does happen in your home or out at a restaurant or whatever, you can help. Um, That's something that we see quite often. We get there and it's dislodged. That's awesome. That's what we're looking for, right? We don't want them to be choking the whole time while we're trying to get there, but it does happen. And we've been on a few calls where we've had to actually dislodge it once we get there. The other one that has to do with choking is poisoning. We get a lot of little kids getting in their parents' uh, medicine cabinet and stuff like that. Those happen quite often. Simple fixes with those is just keeping your medications where the kids can't get them, whether they're locked up or up high. I know kids are super curious, and so they'll do anything they can to get up into the medicine cabinet. They'll climb, they'll stack things, they'll do what they can. And so we got to be super cognizant of that. And then not so much around here, but I know in other places such as St. George or Las Vegas, places like that with pools, drowning is a big one. I know in Pleasant Grove, we've been on a couple and we don't have a ton of pools here, but I know we've been on a couple of drownings where the kids were able to make it into the pool area. That's a big one that we need to make sure that the uh, the pool area is secure or we're watching those kiddos because they go in there and they're curious. Like I said, they just want to go see what's going on and they want to go swimming because it sounds fun, especially on those hot days. Another uh, one, speaking with drowning, let me interrupt here. Yeah. If you don't mind, bathtub drownings. Yeah. That, I, I always think about that, that and tubs of water outside where the summertime's coming and yep. the plastic pools are left out. They, people don't want to dump them out and fill them up every day. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's trying to save a little water here and there, what they can. So yeah, it's definitely something that we need to keep our eyes out on, especially in the bathtubs. Hopefully we're not leaving our little ones in the bathtub, but if we're gone and away from it, that bathtub needs to be drained. And I think that's way we can prevent some of that stuff from happening for sure. Another one that you don't see a ton of it, but we do see it here and there is burns. My little girl actually burned her finger yesterday. We were making uh, breakfast for dinner and had the waffle maker out. And she's like, what's this, dad? And she went to touch it to lift up the lid. Well, she didn't grab the handle. She grabbed the little metal portion of it. And she got her finger pretty good. That's something that we try and teach her is she always wants to help. She's always willing to jump in and want to cook. But we always tell her stay away from the stove and stay away from this. And she gets upset because she wants to be in there. And I think she learned a lesson yesterday and hopefully with that little bit of pain, she never blistered or anything like that. So she never got a big burn, but that first burn, she knows now that that's hot and she's not going to touch it again. So sometimes it's hard, but they, sometimes they have to learn the hard way when they grab stuff. So those are, those are probably one of the biggest ones that we see here in Pleasant Grove. A lot of times it depends on the, the, the season because a lot of times we'll get in the summertime, you get a lot of kids, you get a lot of people out riding bikes, you get a lot of people out on the roads. So we start to see an increase in car versus bicycle, that kind of stuff. So best thing to do is teach your kids. Those cars aren't looking. Whether you think they are or not, they're not looking. What That's about dehydration during the summer months? Uh, you called in on that, right? We do see that once in a while. We cover the canyon, a small canyon up here in Pleasant Grove. 
we get people hiking up to the waterfall and then get wandering across the mountain. And next thing you know, they haven't taken the water that they thought they needed. And we have been on quite a few of those where they get a little disoriented because they've ran out of water. Search and rescue will go and help with that. Once they bring them down to the ambulance at the staging area, we'll assess them. But oftentimes it's caused by people not bringing enough water and drinking enough. And so they get a little bit where they're not thinking straight. So that definitely happens for sure. That's something that we need to watch for in the summertime. Well, Jake, we need to take a little break for commercial right now. We look forward to talking to you after the break. Thank you. Sounds good. Thanks. When the 2006 National Young Mother of the Year and former National President Canel Brannon was asked, what is American Mother? She replied, there is such strength and inspiration found in this organization's tradition of recognizing outstanding women who are passionate about making the world a better place for children and families. Each day, I am amazed by the true selflessness of the women involved in American Mothers, Inc., You embody all the admirable qualities for which the first Mother of the Year was named. It is an honor and privilege to serve in an organization that celebrates the invaluable contributions mothers are making for the benefit of the next generation. And we are back. We've been talking to Jake Larson, and he is the fire Marshal and Battalion Chief of Pleasant Grove City in Utah. And Jake, what should families do to avoid problems and be prepared for emergency? I've heard a little bit about having a 72-hour kit, but you on your website suggest a 96-hour kit. Tell me why. So a 72-hour kid's great. It just doesn't quite give us enough time because if we have a major incident here in Utah, most likely it's going to be an earthquake. So all of the agencies around here, different fire departments within the different cities, our goal is to get as much of our personnel back to the fire station to be able to go out and to help the community. So it may take two to three days because a lot of our guys will live outside the city. So you think about it back when Pleasant Grove was a volunteer fire department, everybody had to live within the city. So we had those response times because we were able to respond from home and be able to help people from a pager. Now we're a full-time department. They can live anywhere. So we come and work a 48 hour shift and then go home. So when that emergency happens, we've only got six guys on duty at one time. So they can only do so much with, you can imagine what the chaos is going to be if it's a giant earthquake. So there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to have to come together before that help ever arrives. So that's why we recommend having that 96 hour kit is giving yourself time to be self-sufficient until help can arrive and we can get that stuff started. Something you mentioned also on the website is it it applies to people who live where there's tornadoes and hurricanes and Correct. any disaster. Yeah. I, I, I've been looking over your 11-month program. Yeah. And the thing that I like that says, put a little money away in small bills every month. So you will have that because the ATMs probably aren't going to work. Who knows if the bank's yeah. going to be there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so many good tips on this. Go ahead and 
explain a little bit more about it, but I just learned so much just going through it. I'm going to start applying that yeah, with for my sure. family. Yeah. Our chief that just recently retired about a year ago, his name was Chief Thomas. He's the one that took this whole 96 hour kit and started going through and, and setting up the steps for the website. He was big into being prepared and making sure that other people uh, had the ability to go and see, because a lot of times we don't necessarily know what to put in there. Obviously it costs money and that's why chief uh, eventually set this up is so that you can go through and set aside a little bit of money. We want to be as ready as we can soon, but this allows us to go through the year and get what we need. And he set that up so that you've got your water storage, your water purification, because we can only store so much water, right? Mm -hmm. Water and food is what's going to keep us going. Um, he's definitely set that up to be very user-friendly and make sure you've got what you need to be self-sufficient in an emergency. Is that your biggest recommendation then for people to prepare for emergencies is to make a 96 hour kit and yeah. be ready to be able to provide for their family, probably including like a, a first aid kit in there as well. Exactly. Yeah. I've got the website up. If you go into the, that step eight, it talks about first aid kits and things that they recommend having in there. This is all kind of stuff that it's super simple, but it'll get you through a bind. A lot of the stuff they've put in there is like anti-inflammatory, like ibuprofen, antacids, splints. If you end up breaking something and you need to splint something for a day or two before we can get to you, that's something that comes with training as well. So that's stuff that as a fire department, we teach a couple classes. We teach CPR, we teach stop the bleed, we teach basics, first aid as far as splinting and stuff like that. If the community wants to come and uh, take a class, they just need to get with us and we can help them with that. We do a lot of station tours here in Pleasant Grove. And a lot of times it's with scouting groups and things like that. And they'll do their first aid, but we'll come in and they'll ask questions and we're able to help them not only show them the rigs and show them what we do, but actually do a little bit of training with them as well. When we do a station tour, we always try and implement some kind of education with it. Oftentimes we'll go to schools and we'll do the same thing. We'll talk about the cool apparatus because that's what most of the kids want to see is they want to see the fire trucks. They want to see the lights, but we also try and implement a little bit of fire safety with it and what we do in case of a fire in our home. There's definitely a lot of on that website that people can look at and, and prepare themselves. Now um, tell us what the website is and we'll also link it in the show notes. So it's uh, plgrove.org. If you just want to search it in Google, you can do that and search for Pleasant Grove City and usually that'll pull it right up. If you're outside the state, you may just have to type in the plgrove.org. And then there's a fire tab. You click on the fire tab and then it'll bring you to a link with uh, a bunch of other information as well. Awesome. Yeah. Now, what are your recommendations as far as parents helping their kids prepare for an unexpected fire or something like that, or teaching your kids to call 911? What is the best advice you can teach us about that? that that's a tough one because different age groups are going to learn a little differently. And we find that often when we 
bring tours in. There's the age groups that start to understand what 911 is and how it works and how important it is that we don't dial 911. And then you've got your younger groups. They don't care. They just want to see everything that's going on at the firehouse. So it's really hard to specifically say how I would teach them. Probably the biggest thing is get them out to the firehouses and let them see what we do. And then they start to understand that, hey, if I call 911, it's going to these guys, whether it goes to us or not, the dispatch will get it and call us. And we try and teach those kids that, that when you're calling 911, you're having us go out on a call. And so it kind of sinks in with them that if I call, these guys are leaving. And we try and show them that if we're outside of the fire station going to a false call because you called 911, there could be somebody else in need of an emergency service and we can't be there. So someone else has to get called. And so it, it often makes them think, I think getting them out to the firehouse and letting the fire guys talk to them. I think that's an awesome way to prepare your kids and show them exactly what happens when you call 911. That means needing an officer. They can go visit with the officers. That way they see it. Oftentimes they'll see it on cartoons because my little girl watches stuff with Paw Patrol, it's very educational, but it, it also helps them to go see that that firehouse and what's really going on. So um, maybe a good idea for mothers during the summer is schedule a field trip with your local fire department. Yeah. Grab a couple of friends and their families and, and take yeah. your kids to the fire department and learn a few things. Yeah. And that will also help you then be able to practice in the home. Okay, if we have an emergency, here is what we do. Right. Yeah. And a lot of times when we do those tours, we'll go through with the kids, especially with fire safety. We'll talk about matches. We'll talk about things that we see like in the home that maybe isn't for the kids to touch. And we talk about oftentimes changing the the batteries in our smoke alarms. We'll ask the kids and the kids will be honest with us. They'll be like, my mom and dad never do that. Or we'll ask them about wearing their seatbelts in the car and they'll rat their parents out, which is good because we often go on calls where either the kid's not in a seatbelt or the mom or the dad's not in a seatbelt and causes injuries that could have been prevented. And so we try and turn it on the parents a little bit, not to be mean, but we try and turn and say, hey, does your mom and dad buckle you in? That kind of thing. And it makes them start to think when they hear the stories of things that we go on and we see that we want to try and prevent that so that we don't see that stuff because we see a lot of stuff we don't like to see. And it's not fun. And to be able to prevent that, it makes it a lot easier on us when we show up and the kid or the adults in their seatbelt and they don't have any injuries. It's like, okay, you're good. Perfect. We're going to move on to the next one and make sure that they're okay. That makes my day when we go on car accidents and there's no injuries, because that's ultimately what we're trying to prevent is that injury by wearing our seatbelts. So that's something that's awesome. You can take them to the firehouse and hopefully that the firehouse you go to is doing a little education with them. And you can ask them, hey, can you teach them this and that? And more than likely, they're going to have something that they're going to be able to teach you. We'll do that with fire in your house too, as well. We'll talk about having a place where you go and actually meet if you have a fire in your home. Mm. Once you get the evacuation, because a lot of times people don't have evacuation plans in their home. Um, That's something that you can go over with your kids. Go over evacuation. Where do you meet once you're outside the house? Oftentimes we tell them either the mailbox or the neighbor's house, have a designated spot. That way, when we show up, 
we can ask them, hey, who owns this home? They can come up and talk to us and say, hey, all of our family is out. I've got them right here. Now we're going to go in and put the fire out. We're not going to worry about trying to find somebody because that's our number one goal is life safety. So Mm -hmm. that's what we're looking for. That's a really good plan. And I remember when my kids were younger and they would do fire safety and stuff that that was one of the things that was usually a homework assignment. Map out where you would go. But now that my kids are older, we haven't talked about it for a while. So I think this is a good refresher for me and probably for everybody else. This is something that's important so that you can have safety in your home and your kids will be prepared if there is a fire or or you and your spouse, (laughs) wherever you are in the mothering process, right? (laughs) For sure. Wonderful. Deanne, do you have any more questions? No, I just really appreciate the time you spent with us, Jake, today and all the great information. Good job to help us stay safe. We have a job too, to not make you work so hard. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah we or at least mind, we hope. We don't mind visiting. So we'll visit all day long as long as it's not an emergency, right? So, that's good. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today, Jake. It has been an You're honor welcome. to have you on the Mom to Mom podcast. And thank you for sharing with us how we can help keep our families more safe. We appreciate You're, it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. My name is Chelsea Strand, and I am the mother of the year for the state of North Dakota. I feel like I do have high expectations for myself of what things are going to look like. And if I do things a certain way, or if I plan enough, things will just go smoothly and perfectly. And we're all going to be this happy little family. And I think it just goes to show too, that life is very uncertain and we can only do the best we can. And that's okay. We want to challenge ourselves to be better each and every day, but that's okay if we don't meet the mark every time and that it's not a personal thing. I mean, I think we've all been there to think like, ah, like right before we came, I mean, supper was stressful. My two-year-old threw her food on the floor, you know, and it's just like, that's okay. That doesn't mean that I'm a bad parent or I I did something wrong. You're just going to have some of that. Um, And so I guess to be, to be kind and, and humble, because there are days where it's easy to look inward and think, you know, what's wrong with us that we get these results, but you know, we're all just doing the best we can. June is home safety month, but every month is important to maintain a safe family and home. There are several websites to provide information and checklists. One of the most important activities you can do with your family, children especially, is to make and practice escape routes from your home, especially in case of a fire. Practice these with your children, just like they practice their fire drills at school. Make sure they know where they are to meet other family members once they're outside the home. And what if there's an emergency in your area, an earthquake, a tornado, or a hurricane, and your family isn't all together. Have you talked about how you will connect? Maybe you can consider asking someone outside of your area or maybe even another state if they would be the contact person for your family members. That way they can call them and let them know where they are and how they are. So when you connect with this friend, she can let you know that your family is safe and where they're located. 
celebrate Home Safety Month by doing one of these things with your family. It's all about safety and being together and taking care of one another. Next week, we have Dr. Renee Renardi, who is a licensed psychologist and director of the Lakeside Center for Behavioral Change. And she's going to talk to us about managing emotions and what do we do with them, especially with little kids and even as moms, because let's be honest, we have a rise and fall of emotions as well. Now, in the wake of COVID, how do we handle all these increased emotions? Is it okay to talk to people when you're feeling strong emotions? Stay tuned. We have these answers and more next week with Dr. Renee Renardi. The 2021 Mother of the Year from the District of Columbia, Amber Golden, shared this mothering hack. As a new mother, an empty nester advised that my children would need me more when they get older. I was surprised to learn the truth of this for my own family. I have found the great value and satisfaction in being a stay-at-home, now work-from-home mother during their teenage and young adult stages. While children's needs obviously change as they develop, the real-time emotional support that middle school, high school, and the transition into adulthood demanded made accessibility to a trusted, loving ear and guidance essential and life-changing for our family. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, subscribe so you can get your weekly dose of mom-to-mom encouragement. We understand that being a mother can be overwhelming, but we hope that you found something useful you can apply to your own life. We invite you to share this episode with a friend who might also enjoy the message. The mission of American Mothers is to support mothers, empowering them to positively impact their families and communities. We want each one of you to discover and share your innate, inherent, and natural abilities to bless your children and others. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of American Mothers Incorporated, its members, or employees. AMI is not responsible for, nor does it verify, the accuracy of the information contained in the podcast, nor does the series constitute any professional advice or services. We look forward to visiting with you one mom to another next week. Until then, just do your best at mothering and remember you're not alone. You've got an army of mothers all around you cheering you on.